Welcome to Jacksonville.Radio. We're a family of radio stations serving the Jacksonville and South Georgia areas. As a service to our community, we highlight organizations and events that help make this area the best place in the country to live. Thank you for listening to Our North Florida Neighborhood. Welcome to North Florida Neighborhood. I'm Colby. And North Florida Neighborhood is all about getting to know our neighbors and hearing what really cool stuff they're doing with us and for us in our community. And today we have the privilege of chatting with Wanda Willis. She's the Director of Community Engagement for the Cummer Museum. Wanda, thanks so much for joining us. Great, Colby. Thanks for having me this morning. Now, Wanda, give me a rundown on who the Comer is. Well, uh, we actually have so much going on at the Comer now in being sort of a center of the community. We're just really blessed with having all of these great uh, events coming up, our summer in the Comer, and of course, our newest exhibition, Rebecca Louise Law, The Journey, and just lots of other things. There's just absolutely something for everyone, and we are truly, truly excited about everything going on at the Cummer at this time. And for those of us who aren't familiar with the Cummer, it's actually the largest fine arts museum in Northeast Florida, right? Absolutely. We're the largest in Northeast Florida, and uh, of course, our mission is to engage and inspire through arts, gardens, and education. So one of the things that many people may not know is that we are located in the Riverside area of Jacksonville, Florida, uh, a beautiful gallery along with wonderful gardens right along the St. John's River. And uh, we were founded almost 60 years ago by Nina Kummer, who was an avid gardener and art collector in our community. And so since you were founded by her, does that mean she donated all of these art pieces? Well, uh, actually, she did donate some of her art collections as well as the garden and the collection to the community when she established the museum. And uh, we actually are getting ready to celebrate 60 years being in the Jacksonville community. So we're really, really excited about that as well. Yeah, that's a huge deal. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. We're really, really excited about that. How are you guys going to celebrate the 60-year anniversary for the Comer? Well, we we haven't really uh, unveiled our celebration plans as of yet, but I will tell you, give you a little sneak peek, is that it will be a year-long celebration with a little bit of something for everyone. Uh, And our focus uh, this year, of course, is going to be on community. So we'll have something for everyone in our community, and we'll celebrate for a full year long, sort of like the way I celebrate my birthday. I always celebrate <laughs> for a full year as well. So, oh my gosh, yeah. I'm going to use that excuse from now on of why I eat cake so often. <laughs> um, well, Wanda, you like briefly mentioned it, but Summer at the Comer, what is that? Well, if you haven't been to Summer at the Comer yet, it definitely is a place to be on a Friday uh, afternoon, uh, starting at four o'clock. It's our free Friday from four to nine. And uh, we, of course, want to thank our presenting sponsor for that free Friday, PNC Bank. And it's just an opportunity for people to come to the museum. And as I shared earlier, there's absolutely something for everyone. We'll have the galleries open for people to enjoy our newest exhibition, along with music in our cafe uh, garden and also in the garden. So there's lots of things. It's a family outing. It's an opportunity for families to come out and enjoy just a really great family afternoon uh, at the Comer Museum. And that's every Friday from now up until when? Up until mid-August. Uh, so we'll we'll be hosting that every Friday until mid-August with live entertainment 
and just an opportunity to just not only enjoy the new exhibition, but to enjoy our permanent collection and the absolutely beautiful gardens. And uh, I encourage everyone to come out and take a moment and enjoy. And Wanda, what is there to see when we go to the Comer? Like you mentioned the permanent collection? Yes, we have several pieces in our permanent collection. Uh, of course, our 18th century pieces, as well as the contemporary art uh, that we have uh, with Mildred Thompson and several other artists that will be on display in our gallery that are there as part of our permanent collection. But uh, also, just to really highlight our newest exhibition, which I mentioned earlier, Rebecca Louise Law, The Journey, which is an absolutely stunning exhibition that is a site-specific installation where we have the opportunity to have um, the artists here in our city who use dried flowers and flesh, fresh flowers and really invited the community in to be a part of the installation of this absolutely beautiful exhibition that connects very well with our garden. So she just took dried flowers and made it into art? So I, that's one of the reasons you really have to come. You, you really, um, it, it's just very interesting the concept uh, designed by this British artist who she it's all about sustainability and uh, collecting flowers from all over the world that she's used in other exhibitions and we've also used some flowers from some of our local florists but it's about sustainability mm. and uh, reusing things so when you come to see the flowers it's just absolutely amazing how something that just starts out as a simple flower uh, when put together with some of our community volunteers has become this amazing exhibition that will be on display at the Common Museum until January. Okay, and this piece is by Rebecca Law, and you said it'll be there until January. How often do the pieces change out? Well, that's something that you'll have to come and see, but this exhibition will be on display until January 9th. So you'll see the flowers uh, in their transformative stage as well. Oh, okay. So they're not only dried flowers, but they're alive. They're dried flowers and fresh flower material that she used in her work. I'll tell you, it's, it's just really interesting. I certainly learned a lot uh, while uh, Rebecca Louise Law was here at the Comer and um, sharing her her strategy and her art and using the dried flowers and the fresh flowers. Yeah, I'm having such a hard time like capturing an image of what it is. So really, we just need to come out and go. Well, you know what? You just need to come out and see it because I think that in the times that we are with so much going on in our country and in our community, this exhibition really, really provides an opportunity to truly come take a moment and just enjoy the peacefulness mm. and the beauty of the beautiful flowers. And one of the things that... Uh, is a little bit different about this exhibition is that the artist asked our visitors to not take photos huh. or videos. Instead, just to take this time as an opportunity to really unplug and really engage with art and nature, which I think all of us could use a little bit of time to just mm-hmm. do just that. Yeah, that's so interesting. Well, I'm I'm excited to go check it out. Um, and also, Wanda, what else is there to see throughout the comer? Like, w- you really highlighted Rebecca and her art piece that's going to be there until January. But what else can we find when we go to the comer? Well, you know, the comer, as I said earlier, is a place for everyone. I think absolutely everyone can find something to enjoy at the comer of course we have our retail shop and and the pop-up shop which is retail that 
the pieces are centered around the current exhibition. Uh, we also have a wonderful cafe where people can stop to, to have lunch or an early dinner uh, or really just to, to enjoy a great meal or some cocktails out in the garden. So in addition to the art, it's just a place for gathering, a place for gathering with friends and family to just enjoy some time together. Do you have a favorite piece at the Comer? Gosh, you know, every time I select a favorite piece, then something new comes. So there's always an opportunity to change that piece. What's your current favorite? If if you invite someone to come and you're like, man, you guys need to see this. Well, there's a, actually the newest exhibition is one that I would say is my favorite right now because when I walk into that space, it provides uh, something for me that I think everyone needs is just mm. very peaceful and very serene. So there's something about it that just provides uh, just a feeling of peace and serenity. So right now, the Rebecca Louise Law, The Journey, uh, is my favorite in the museum because it really allows me and many others to just come take a moment and just really unwind and unplug for a minute. So that would be my favorite piece right now. And we can also come unwind at com- Summer at the Comer. And then what other fun events do we have to look forward to? Wow. Well, there's always so much going on at the Comer uh, when it relates to Summer at the Comer. We've got live artists that are there on Friday nights. You can look forward to having Mama Blue uh, there singing, uh, Akia Yawanda, and there are other local artists who are there. Uh, you can just find time to enjoy all of that. Okay, well, fun. Wanda, thank you so much for everything. Give me a, a rundown real quick of where we can go to find out more information on the Comer. Sure, absolutely. If you just take a moment and visit comermuseum.org, or you can, of course, follow us on social media to find out what's new at the Comer. And uh, we'll hope that you all will be able to join us very soon at Summer at the Comer and to see our newest exhibition, Rebecca Louise Law, The Journey. All right. Well, great. Thank you so much, Wanda. Thank you so much for having me. Have a great rest of the day. Thank you for listening to Our North Florida Neighborhood. Listen again next week. And if you have an event or organization you'd like highlighted, please contact Colby King at Colby, C-O-L-B-I, at Jacksonville.radio. Jacksonville.radio. We're a family of radio stations serving the Jacksonville and South Georgia areas. As a service to our community, we highlight organizations and events that help make this area the best place in the country to live. Thank you for listening to our North Florida neighborhood. Hey, and welcome to North Florida neighborhood. I'm Colby. 
And North Florida Neighborhood is where we get to get to know our neighbors, just hearing what really cool stuff they're doing with us in Forest and our community. And today we get to chat with, I'm a little biased, but one of my favorite neighbors, Bruce Fafard. He's the CEO for the Museum of Science and History. Bruce, thanks so much for joining us. Well, thank you, Colby. It's always a pleasure to be on your show. I love chatting with you because, for one, it's really fun to say your na- last name, Fafard. But then, for two, like I love who the Mosh is. So, Bruce, give us a rundown on the Mosh. So, as you know, we are uh, just a fantastic museum of science and history um, in Northeast Florida. We've got tons of activities for all age groups, whether you are. Uh, just learning to walk or you are a grandparent bringing one of your grandchildren in, we've got a variety of things. We've got animals to come and see. We've got permanent exhibits. We've got a whale, a life-size whale that's actually uh, one of our first exhibits when you walk in. We've got uh, history of Jacksonville, science labs, planetarium, anything you can imagine. We, we've got to come on and see us. We have a lot of fun, and we, I'd love to meet you. So when I hear, oh, my gosh, we have so much fun at the Museum of Science and History, I'm like, that's a lie. That's not true. But you guys are different than just spitting out facts about science and history. In what way are you different? So we're different because we really focus on interactive things. We want people to be engaged. We want them to actually learn to do something. For example, our our, uh, most recent traveling exhibit is the Lost World of Dragons. And it is such a interactive, such a great exhibit. As you go through the exhibit, you actually have an opportunity to um, uh, answer puzzles and solve a riddle. You get to learn about dragons, how they were involved in the culture, why they were important to people. And at the at the end, you get to actually enter all your answers in and see how well you've done. In fact, there's one session that we've got where uh, people can sort of do a pantomime with different dragons and run their own show. I just recently, I had some uh, one of our school groups up here running through it. They got so excited running around. They were actually <laughs> safely they were <laughs> bouncing off my door um, and, and while they were doing this this play that they were making. And so they just have a great time. And this is the CEO who's excited that people are bouncing into his door all because of an exhibit. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, so, it's so exciting for me to be able to uh, you know, to see their engagement, to see the joy on their face, but also the fact that they're learning something. So if you can have fun and learn at the same time, to me, that's the best of both worlds. Bruce, you said right now um, the most recent exhibit is, did you say dinosaur or dragons? Dragon, Lost World of Dragons. Okay, so you have the dragons out right now, but I know you've also had dinosaur exhibits, but how often do you change them out? So we plan to bring new exhibits in three times a year. This exhibit runs through the beginning of September. uh, And then in the middle of September, we're actually going to host uh, Da Vinci, Mm. uh, a a whole exhibit regarding his creations, his inventions. Um, We're very excited to be able to bring that to 
to Jacksonville in in this coming fall. And when Da Vinci will be there, what what kind of things are going to be interactive with his exhibit? So there's going to be a variety of different opportunities for uh, our guests to actually see the the uh, the invention, actually work some of the inventions. There's going to be different stations. Uh, one of the things we're working on as well is hopefully to be able to have convert our maker space so that people can go in there and and actually create some of their own da vinci like um inventions yeah we're very excited about it um bruce where is the mosh located so we're located on the south bank just uh on the other side of the main street bridge um we're we've got the main street bridge on one side we've got friendship fountain in front of us uh right on the saint john's it's very easy to get uh, to get here, we've got parking on uh, plenty of parking for people to come and to spend the day with us. And uh, if if you want to go out, you can actually enjoy some of the river walk as well. And when we leave the mosh, what do you want us to walk away with? Probably the most important thing is a smile on your face. Aww. If I if I know that you've had a great time, that you've you've really enjoyed the museum and you walk out and you say and and you got that smile on your face and say wow that was really worth my afternoon then then we've done our job bruce you you started by saying it's fun for all ages everything from kids to adults how can it be fun for adults when we hear people are body slamming (laughs) Uh, so we have um opportunities for adults to enjoy the the exhibits. You see, they're geared so that you may capture the attention uh, of a young child, but there's so much to learn with our exhibits that it's going to increase your ability to understand how, for example, on, on the dragons, why were different dragons important in different cultures? And so you'll be able to walk away learning that. You'll, Go into our naturalist center, and you'll be able to learn about what kind of animals that we actually have in our backyards and how we interact with them. We also have Currents of Time, which is a wonderful history of Jacksonville and that you can walk through and learn there. So there's there's learning experiences there. You can expand your knowledge base and interact with with what we have here on our exhibit and is what you have simple enough for a one and a half year old to grasp it i was just talking to my co-worker and telling him yeah i'm I'm chatting with the mosh and he was saying how his kid loves museums but can he learn and have fun at yours without question without question in fact we even have special programs for children that are you know uh young children through uh, kindergarten that we actually have opportunities to interact with them. Uh, some of our naturalists are absolutely wonderful in being able to sit down with a group of young children right, right around them and be able to explain what the characteristics of different animals and what they what they feed on, how they grow, where you might find them in a natural habitat as you learn about the ecology in our local area. And to put things in perspective for us, Bruce, how big is the mosh? So we are, the building itself is 74,000 square feet. Oh my and gosh. we are busting at the seams. Yep. 
And, and so we're actually planning on building a brand new museum on the North Bank, just across the river from where we are. Uh, and that will double the size of the museum to 140,000 square feet. So we're very excited about the future and what MOSH will be able to bring to our local community. We'll be able to increase the size of our exhibits. We'll be able to bring more exhibits in. Um, and so very bright future. What's the timeline for that? We continue uh, our working with the Downtown Investment Authority. Uh, we've made a lot of progress there and are so thankful with uh, uh, with that organization, with Lori Boyer and her team there. We are looking now to have uh, access to the land sometime in the December to February time frame, so over the winter. And then we can start construction, and it is, if, if those plans all go accordingly, then we will be able to open and do a ribbon cutting for a brand-new museum uh, in 2025. Oh, my gosh. Okay, sweet. So it seems like it's far away, but it's really not because 2021 is already almost over. But, Bruce, more closer to us, what else do we have to look forward to? So we've got a variety of activities that are coming up uh, in the next several weeks. We continue to hold our cosmic concerts in the planetarium um, during the evening hours. They feature a combination of music and light show. There's concerts already set up for the 24th of July, the 25th of July, and the 31st. Um, go to our website, www.themosh.org, and you can see our full schedule for uh, our concerts. We've got a, uh, a craft cocktail making class that's coming up for perhaps the, uh, the older or, or, or the more mature crowd um, that, that is scheduled. Again, you can find the specific date and uh, more information on that on our website. Uh, and so we've got uh, just activities planned throughout the entire summer uh, and, in fact, we're already starting to get bookings in September. We also do birthday parties. So if any of your listeners are interested in hosting a birthday party here, uh, get in touch with us, and we're more than happy to work with you. And so the, it, you, if you can imagine it, we can help you accomplish it. And, Bruce, what is your favorite thing at the Mosh right now? Because it changes seasonally, and I remember one time you said you loved the penguins. So what's it right now? Oh, boy. So right now, my, the, the, my I, I just love this new exhibit. It, it is so intriguing. It's so entertaining. In fact, the Lost World of Dragons, we actually have... Um, a virtual ride that you can engage in. You actually put on a uh, virtual reality headset and you can ride your own dragon. Oh my, have you done it? Be honest. I have not done it, but I have, I'm in, I'm in the queue to go have fun with it. Okay, good. Well, Bruce, tell me one more time, um, a good website and where you guys are located uh, and then your hours so we can hurry up and get to the mosh. <laughs> sure. It's www.themosh.org, and we are located on the South Bank, um, just actually right next to the uh, Main Street Bridge, and in front of the uh, um, in front of the fountain here, Foundish Fountain. And our hours were open 
Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, uh, I'm sorry, Monday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, 10 to 5, except on Sunday it's 12 to 5. Okay, well, Bruce, thank you so much for being such a great and fun neighbor in our neighborhood. Colby, it's always a pleasure. Thank you for listening to Our North Florida Neighborhood. Listen again next week, and if you have an event or organization you'd like highlighted, please contact Colby King at Colby, C-O-L-B-I, at jacksonville.radio. and encouraging teaching from renowned pastor, Bible teacher, and best-selling author, Dr. David Jeremiah. Reserve your free tickets now to attend An Evening with David Jeremiah for an unforgettable night of enriching Bible study, uplifting fellowship, and powerful worship. Coming to Jacksonville at the ViStar Veterans Memorial Arena on Thursday, October 7th at 7 p.m. You won't want to miss this special one-night-only event. Get your free tickets at davidjeremiah.org slash tour. Ah. There's no place like Panera, where a bite of the toasty, saucy chipotle chicken avocado melt tastes like, oh, focaccia. A cool and refreshing strawberry poppy seed salad al fresco is so sweet. And a cheesy chipotle chicken and bacon flatbread pizza in your favorite booth feels just right. So treat yourself, because there's no place like Panera. Order on the app today. Restrictions apply. Visit PaneraBread.com. Welcome to a place where everyone deserves to be better protected, where technology has your back, where you can have better protection and keep more money in your pocket, where you can have protection for your car, your home, your phone, and even your digital identity. Welcome to a place where your entire life can be better protected. You're in good hands with Allstate. Allstate and affiliates offer products and services subject to availability, terms, and conditions. Dave Benyon here with Zero Res. I hope you had a wonderful summer like me. We were able to go backpacking in the Smoky Mountains, travel out west and visit family, and spend a lot of time with the grandkids. Life doesn't get any better than this. Now that our kids are back in school, I can see the beating the house has taken. The carpets, the tile and grout, the area rugs, and even the new sofa all need a good cleaning. If your home needs some cleaning, give Zero Res a call. Right now, if you have the tile cleaned, we'll seal the grout for 50% off. Zero Res spelled forward or backwards. It's the right way to clean. Zero Res. Welcome to Jacksonville.Radio. We're a family of radio stations serving the Jacksonville and South Georgia areas. As a service to our community, we highlight organizations and events that help make this area the best place in the country to live. Thank you for listening to Our North Florida Neighborhood. Hey, thanks so much for listening to North Florida Neighborhood. I'm Colby. And North Florida Neighborhood is just a chance where we can chat with our neighbors and hear what really, really, really cool stuff they're doing. And I emphasize on the real really cool because that's exactly what Greg Taylor just did. He's a cyclist and he's repping USA Cancer Cycle along with Kimo Noor. Greg, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, it's a blast. Uh, this is the first time I really got to talk to somebody in the area about everything. It was the first interview that I've done post the ride, so I'm excited uh, to kick it off with you. Yeah, so post ride, we got to chat um, probably in like March or April, but give us a brief rundown on 
the before what we talked about and then kind of what just happened over the past couple of months. Yeah, absolutely. To give anybody that hasn't heard anything about it a little bit of a recap, I left February 20th from uh, Jacksonville, Florida, over in the San Marco area, and I actually biked the entire United States. So when I say that, I biked from Jacksonville, Florida to San Diego, up to the northwest point of Washington, uh, into Colorado and the Rockies, and then across the Maine and home to Jacksonville. So it took uh, just under five months. I just got back. We had a return party at uh, Southern Swells uh, off Beach Boulevard at the brewery, and I, I came in July 17th, so three days shy of five months. It's just like such a joke, everything you just said so casually. All right, you rode a bicycle. Like, it does not have a motor on it. That's correct. Yeah, it was uh, purely leg-powered. Yes, ma'am. So, Greg, how many miles is this? That's five months. That's a long time. Yeah, no, so it was, it was pretty outrageous time-wise. But uh, when I first left, so um, I did want to say one thing. I Believe it or not, like, I don't consider myself a cyclist. I wanted to do something really cool in, like, the fitness uh, atmosphere to, like, use my fitness from CrossFit that I've been working on for a long time. And uh, I thought this was a cool way to give back to the Jacksonville community. I personally want to get a lot more involved in Jacksonville because I love this city, and it's kind of what I consider my hometown, even though I'm not from here. Uh, So this is just a way to do that. Um, I actually, uh, when I first started, had never even owned a bike in my life. And then I just started training a little bit uh, before. And then I used a lot of that first month to really understand, like, how hard this was going to be physically. So it ended, I winded up being uh, 11,500 miles dead on the nose. I think it was like 11,485. But it, it came out to just about like 90 miles a day. Uh, with uh, with very limited rest days just because I, I, I'm not good at taking rest days mentally. So, Greg, you said you wanted to give back to the community, and that's the whole reason why you did this. How the heck does riding a bicycle across the country give back to Jacksonville? Yeah, we got pretty lucky. We had some uh, big-time donations and a, and a great following the entire way through, kind of from start to finish. Obviously, it ramped up on the East Coast when people kind of saw, like, Oh man, he's actually going to pull this off. Like, this might actually get- <laughs> he's on month five, like dang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, a lot of the uh, donation kind of traffic picked up towards that last month. But, uh, you know, we were tracking all the way pretty well. My goal was to raise $100,000. And uh, right now we're just shy of $120,000. What? So, uh, yeah, it, it went amazing. We're waiting on a couple of big donations and then we're going to close it uh, August 1st to give a final number. But, um, most importantly, sorry for the long-winded answer. No. Oh, my gosh. Um, this is, yeah. Is, yeah, Kimo Noir is based here in Jacksonville, Florida. It specifically goes back to the Northeast Florida community. And uh, what we do is um, we actually help uh, cancer patients and cancer families that uh, have that financial burden, the burden mm-hmm. of the chemo treatments and of things that come with that. We step in and we actually try to pay as many of those bills or provide as much um you know, financial compensation as we can directly so that they focus on the bigger picture, which is actually beating the disease and not worried about the price tag that they can't afford. And this $120,000, what is that going to go towards? Like, yes, Chemo Noir, but what are they going to put that in? Yeah, so uh, it's kind of cool. Chemo Noir is uh, all ages, all cancers, you know, all disciplines of like the terrible disease itself. And anybody can reach out and ask for financial assistance. And we've done things as easy as uh, you know, we've had emails come in that, hey, I, I spend every dollar I have, even though I have insurance on my chemo treatments, and I can't afford to take my family grocery shopping. So, uh. you know, we'll step in and we'll take the entire family out for as many, um, you know, much things as they can fit in a cart and pay for that directly. Or it can be as simple as somebody's electricity bill. You know, it's things that people don't think about when you're going through 
um, this massive fight for your life and you're worried about, uh, you know, some simple bills on the uh, on the outside, we try to step in and make sure that those are taken care of directly, uh, as well as in some cases when we can pay for chemo treatments in themselves. So uh, anything and everything that we can do to offset the financial burden, that's the goal of Chemo Noir. And this is local families. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I wish I had like some exact numbers of how many chemo treatments we paid for, but these are people that work and live around us, eat mm-hmm. the same restaurants. I mean, these are people in the Northeast Florida community. So right now, obviously, though, we would love to expand it, uh, you know, statewide or nationwide. Uh, Noir has only been in existence for four or five years now. So, um, you know, we just have to build from the ground up. And uh, this was um, our biggest uh, event that we've ever done. So I know Kat, who's the owner of Noir, was extremely, um, you know, I don't know the right word, probably just... Um, thankful that uh, we were able to come up with it and execute it as well as we did. Greg, thank you for giving us like a recap of why the heck you did this and just kind of the the preamp to riding over 11,000 miles. And I'm sure everybody's asking like, how's your trip? How's your trip? And I'm definitely going to ask that too. So like what's one huge story in your like, I would have never experienced this if it wasn't for this trek? Yeah, kind of, um, you know, when, when you got to kind of back that to like how tumultuous when I left, everything kind of was just from a political and social kind mm. of spectrum that we were in. It was just a bizarre time with, uh, you know, COVID really not, like, I mean, if it wasn't at its peak, it was definitely, you know, it was right before the vaccines came out. So there was a ton of turmoil over that. And then, you know, pretty uh, raucous 2020 political scene. So there was just a ton of a negativity around everybody that I unfortunately allowed myself to be a part of. Mm. And, um, you know, I think my number one takeaway was just that, that people are inherently good. You know, um, I had so many people help me on the way directly and indirectly, whether it was uh, offering meals or taking me into their homes and, you know, uh, allowing me a spot to stay for that night or just on the side of the road, getting me waters and getting me whatever. You know, never once did one of those people ask me, who did you vote for in the last election? Mm. Because it doesn't matter. (laughs) Uh, You know, it didn't matter in that moment when people just want to take care of other people. So I definitely came back with a bigger Mm -hmm. sense of who we are uh, as people. And I think that, you know, what it all boils down to is, again, we are inherently good uh, as human beings. And I I hope that we're able to show that a little bit more uh, as we kind of recover from whatever the disaster the last two or three years was. Do you think experiencing that and receiving all of that kindness has kind of shifted your mindset um, and made you more aware to be more kind? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think more than anything, it's just to focus on person to person um, instead of the, uh, you know, politics to politics. So Mm -hmm. I've uh, tried my hardest to kind of kick that entire side out of my life and more focus on the people around me than, uh, you know, the decisions being made that um, don't directly affect Mm -hmm. me as much as I can affect people um, every day in a day out. Hmm. Do you have a favorite part of your trip? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So the, the single best day by far was uh, uh, in uh, the Tetons in Jackson, Wyoming, the Teton National Park. Um, it was it was so special to the point where like it looked like it was fake. You know, no. what I, mean? like, I felt like I was in like a 3G Disney world, like some CGI like masterpiece. It, it just it was it seemed impossible to be real. You know what I mean? So. Uh, I was just like super emotional as I was riding through the park because I just didn't think anything in the mm. world like this like existed. Like, I know we shouldn't be allowed to be around that type of beauty. It was just crazy. Um, so that was like the single best day. But the best like section I saw was actually the Northeast because 
you know, uh, before I went up, I'd only been to Manhattan. And I was like, oh, this is the Northeast. Like, this is what it's about. And it's absolutely not. Like, you know, the north side of New York, uh, all the way into Vermont, New Hampshire, and then Maine is just a spectacle in itself. I was just totally blown away by what exists up there. So I think section-wise, New England blew me away. But um, if there's one place that everybody should see and spend a day in, it's definitely um, uh, Jackson Hole and uh, the, the Grand Teton National Park. And before you left, you kind of chatted with us and said that your dad was going to follow you a bit. Was he able to? Yeah, it was a great father-son moment, actually. We got to spend uh, you know, a couple fires together mm. and uh, get it started off right. So... Uh, he made sure that, you know, I wasn't overlooking anything massive in those first, uh, that first 10 or 11 days, and then I kind of went on my own from there. But it was awesome to have him. Um, you know, we got to uh, appreciate and understand each other. So that's another mm-hmm. moment I just can't replace those, that uh, that first little chunk of days uh, getting to be with him. That was a blast. And then your your wife got to kind of tag along for a bit, too. Um, so she came out. Um, I, those were the two times that I took, like, um, decent rest periods. Uh, mm-hmm. She came out to L.A. Uh, for three days and then uh, flew back, and then she flew out to um, Cleveland, actually, and flew back, and same thing. We did, like, three days. So those are my two, like, big rest chunks that I took along the way, and then some intermingled single rest days throughout. But five months is a long time to be away, especially when you have a wife. So how did you stay in contact? Because, like, you're on a bicycle. You don't – and what you're living out of is a backpack. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just the bags on the bike that you can carry. So – um, you know, one of my things I was like critically pretty, uh, what's the word, like fanatical about was my electric, um, like charges on everything. So whenever I could uh, charge up my backup batteries, I carried three of them and most people would carry one. And that was because I always had to have my phone. Like I'm kind of a mess without it. And I always <laughs> wanted to be able to contact her and let her know, you know, hey, I'm safe for wherever I'm sleeping tonight. I'll let you know when I wake up and get back in the morning. And then, uh, you know, during the ride, um, uh, you know, I would just shoot her like some quick, like I'm good text. And then when I got off, you know, we'd stay in pretty much constant contact. So she always knew when I was safe and going to bed. And then when I was up and about to pedal. So uh, it could have been a lot mm-hmm. worse. Technology definitely helped us out on that one. Oh, for sure. And again, we have the privilege privilege of chatting with cyclist Greg Taylor. I'm going to call you a cyclist, even though you said you don't really identify one. <laughs> um, because anybody that bikes around the country that's over 11,000 miles is a cyclist. And he did it all in the name of cancer. Um, Greg, at what point were you like, what the heck, why did I sign up for this? Uh, Kansas. Sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I like how you identify it like by a state. Oh, for sure. No question. Yeah, I, um, you know, I had some bad days. I had some bad states. I had some bad weeks throughout uh, where mm-hmm. I was like, this is, I, I can't get on the bike again. Like, I just can't do it. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, that's the hardest part of the day. It's not once you... The hardest part of the day is not cycling. That's kind of the treat. Uh, you get to escape and you got you get kind of lose yourself and you just get to the next goal. It's setting up the tent, making sure you have food, resetting the water, stocking the bike, and then finally getting to go to sleep and then waking up, packing everything up and going. So the hard part starts the minute you get off the bike. It's easiest when you just get to ride. Um, but anyway, yeah, so I had a ton of those bad moments, you know, throughout, like really tough days. It's hard to mimic hills out here and mountains out here in Jacksonville. So... Uh, when I first started uh, getting those under my legs, you know, I had a couple like pretty close to physical breakdowns just because I wasn't able to practice mountains a ton. Mm-hmm. So I had to keep pushing through that. Uh, but then I hit Kansas and no one understands like how wide it is. So I had to spend seven days getting across. I think it's like 600 miles total uh, side to side. Dang. And then, um, yeah, yeah, it rained on me from start to finish. <sighs> there was just, uh, you know, a 15 mile an hour wind in my face the entire time. And then, um, 
Uh, it was just, I, I, I hate to be disingenuous. I'm sure Kansas had it has its good spots. But <laughs> let's just say that I didn't, I didn't find them. Like there wasn't a single remarkable takeaway in 600 miles. It was, uh, it was miserable to be honest. And to put it in perspective, at what point of the ride were you in Kansas? How, how far along had you been riding? That's a good question. Let's see. I can get semi good math here. So it was probably like mid May something like that. So you'd been on the road for like over two months? Uh, uh, close to three. I would say it was right at like the three month mark I hit May because if I finished the whole thing in five, that's probably a, a good, I was killing it trying to get as many miles under my belt as I could mm-hmm. uh, to make the six month mark. So I was way up by the time I hit like Washington. And then, uh, yeah, yeah, I'd say it was pr- probably a good guess mid-May for, uh, for Kansas. So the worst 600 miles of your life how do you get through it? Like, and not just be like, okay, can somebody please pick me up? Like, I'm over it. Yeah, no, it was that, though. Like, you got to understand, like, there was mm-hmm. every, like, I had a ton of those days where it was yeah. just like, I literally can't do this again. But, you know, there were so many people reaching out from mm. back home and, like, I was getting emails and stories and all of this stuff. Like, people, uh, I would never say who, but, like, people texted me and they are like, hey, like, I quit my corporate job to like follow a passion and something I've always wanted to do. Because uh, like, if you can do this, I can definitely do that. You know, I was getting stories like, uh, "Hey, like I, I've dropped you know twenty five pounds and um, you know completely transformed my life because like you inspired me to actually oh take gosh. some good steps." And like, those were coming in every day alongside of mm. the cancer stories, which were just incredible. Like people that we were directly helping, reaching out you know, and telling me thanks for making this possible and stuff like that. So it was pretty heartwarming stuff. And for me to throw in the towel mm. when I'm reading these things, and especially knowing that all I had to do was commit at the most 180 days of just getting in, getting up, putting in the work, and then I will be home at mm-hmm. latest on 180th day. So uh, if I can't give myself 180 days of putting in everything I mm. have, I was going to be pretty disappointed in myself. So Sometimes it definitely took some uh, some introspection and some meditation to uh, really get it going again. But, um, you know, fortunately, it just always seemed to go one more day, one more day. I, I literally have goosebumps. And just the fact that you're helping people who have a, a, a life-threatening illness and you're like, all right, I'm just going to ride a bike. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, it was super lucky. Uh, once the wife said yes, it got serious. And, <laughs> uh, you know, it's just started making up the plan. So, uh I know it like now thinking back it still hasn't really set in yeah it was so it was so compartmentalized like it was so like okay dude you just have to get 106 miles there's a perfect campground it has electricity water and food just get there mm-hmm. you know what I mean that's all I had to do that day that's all my goal was so um you know I just did that 150 times and I just somehow ended mm-hmm. up back in Jacksonville it, it really I haven't been able to fully um, put it into perspective in the big picture yet. I, I'm not even close. Yeah. So when you got home, like, and you finally slept in your own bed, like with your wife, what was it like waking up that morning and realizing, oh, dang, I don't have to go on a bicycle today? Uh, it was actually really weird. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, I felt, I still feel a little bit, um, and this will pass, I'm sure, but I definitely feel like purposeless right mm. now. So I have to uh, commit to that next goal. I'm very goal oriented. It mm-hmm. just works well for my, uh, my, my crazy brain. So. Uh, I definitely got to pick what's next and go after it wholeheartedly or else I just don't work right. So, um, so yeah, I felt a little purposeless. There was definitely mm-hmm. uh, not depression, but a little bit of just like an obvious downturn of emotion. Mm-hmm. Now what? Now what? For sure. For sure. So I'm still working on that, trying to figure those next steps out. But uh, it's been a much healthier week than it was last week mentally and physically. So uh, just continuing to put one foot forward mm-hmm. in front of the other. 
Um, one of the cool stories, though, is I don't think my dog left my side for uh, for 48 hours straight. So oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, I didn't, I didn't even know you had a dog. That is so special. All right, that just, like, makes you actually tear yeah. up right there. Not the cancer stories, but the dog. No. To the drive, uh, uh, I, I literally wouldn't let my wife send me pictures and videos, or I might have come home kind of thing. So oh, my I hadn't gosh. seen her in five months. I was, uh, I was, yeah, I was excited. And, Greg... Uh, we we chatted about it before just being like, okay, well, what if you get a flat tire? And you were like, I will get a flat tire. How many of those did you get? Yeah, I hate making it up because um, I, I should have kept count, but we're just going with the best guess, 30. Um, oh, my God. You know, you're carrying so much weight onto that back tire. You want to hear a crazy statistic for sure is it was between like 27 to 32, somewhere around there. But um, there was a single one in the front tire, and all of them were in the back tire. Every single one except for one. Which no is the way. You carry so much weight in the back. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I got pretty good at patching up tubes and yeah. getting them ready. Because if I didn't hit a bike shop for two or three weeks, I, I, I couldn't just throw away tubes and get new ones. I had to learn to patch. So, fortunately, got pretty uh, efficient at that pretty quickly. And I can only imagine, like, the health aspect of this. How many calories were you burning a day? And then, like, how many could you eat? Because, again, like, you might not even run into a rest stop or a restaurant or anything. Yeah, so my goal for food was to always keep three days of food on me. So that means, like, if I broke down in the middle of absolutely nowhere Montana, there's a good chance I could get somewhere with food for three days, right? Uh-huh. And that would be just like, you know, like, I mean, quick, like sugar stuff, like cliff bars, like Rice Krispie treats, like uh, Skittles, like anything just to like keep going to get to the next spot and then enough water to get me to the next water place, right? So um, that was like emergency. And I think I only had to use like that tactic maybe once or twice. I usually always have either you know, gas stations or mm-hmm. cafes or places I was stopping that I could get food. And thankfully with my sponsors, I could afford to eat pretty well wherever I was. So yeah. uh, believe it or not, I was able to just eat literally whatever I wanted to keep going, mm-hmm. which is one of the parts that I'm super thankful for because I wouldn't have had to, I wouldn't have wanted to try what I did underfed and in like a huge caloric deficit. Yeah. That's just not how I'm used to operating being a, like a, a performance athlete. So it would have gotten really gnarly really quickly. So I'm glad that I didn't have to put up with that a ton. So how many calories were you, were you burning, and then did you have a set you were trying to eat every day? Uh, just as much as I could, and, like, okay. that's not a joke. Like, um, like literally, like, I would just eat until I couldn't eat anymore, and then I usually felt okay the next day. You know what I mean? So, like, if that meant, like, two meals somewhere, of like, I could just order meals, I would just get two meals and then food to take home to keep eating until I went to bed. I think it would rack up to be, like... I tried to do the math over a week, and it was somewhere between, like, 65 to 7,500 uh, calories out and probably in every day. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's probably like a, a really good estimate. I'm sure there were some days in the mountains where it was up over 10, and then I'm sure there were some flat days where it was like four or five. But I'd say if you took a full blown average, it was 65 to 7,000 7, okay. a day. Yeah, and like just putting that in perspective. Oh my gosh. Did you have any injuries while you were riding? <laughs> um, I, I don't consider them injuries. Uh, I mean, I, I'm. But I'm you not laughed. Saying, like, I'm, so a normal but, but, a normal person would consider him injury. So I want to hear this. I, I, I took a curb going like 25 down a hill, just not paying attention oh to my Phoenix, gosh. Arizona. And uh, this guy, like, it was this awful situation where he was just like messing with me, but he like jumped out at me. So I like freaked <gasps> out and like then took a curb. And of course he like sprinted away. Felt, so oh my gosh. After the adrenaline wore off to like see what broke and like check everything out. And my shoulder was out of its socket. So... 
I had to like literally just like throw myself into the tree next to it to like pop it back into, into place and then keep going. But like once you get it back into its spot, I felt that in CrossFit before and it's fine. But it was still, I've never done it by myself. So it was definitely, uh, wasn't the best moment of the trip. <laughs> I can just imagine like driving down at like Kernan or something and you see a guy just throwing himself into a tree and then he hops on his bicycle and goes. So that's what I'm picturing. It was, ex- it was exactly that. And like, I, you know, I was still like hopped up on just like pure adrenaline. So I was glad I got it back into place before my body shut down. And I was like, okay. This is a this is a very lot of pain. So, Greg, you like you're just now coming off of this five month high again of cycling over eleven thousand miles. So now what? Like, would you ever do it again? No, no, definitely not. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, like some days, I wake up and I, I actually I don't know if uh, anybody listening's ever worked in the hospitality industry, but like I still have from eight years ago, like server dreams. Yes, you know I mean? yeah, like, same, yeah. You wake up and it, it's a very serious, like, oh god, I forgot to get table PTSD. Like I still have this dream, hundred percent. And like I wake up sometimes, like in the middle of like trying to figure out how far I have to go that day, and I like mentally shut down. Dang. So right now, I would say no, just because I haven't been able to fully process like mm-hmm. what I did. Um, but who knows? You know, that's stuff to say. For instance, if I got to do it in Europe, per se. Okay. And, like, my wife um, was in a van where she could bring everything, and I didn't have to carry everything, and we could be together, and it was more of, like, an enjoyment mm-hmm. as opposed to some days being, like, fully torturous and we were sleeping inside every day or something. If Okay. If the situations were different, I would totally do it again. But as I constructed it to really uh, challenge myself to do it this way, no, I'll never do that again. Okay. Th- I, I appreciate your honesty. Well, Greg, what if we're psycho and we want to do something like this or just like feel our heartstring being pulled by chemo noir and we want to help out and serve? What does that look like? Yeah, that's that's different. That you totally should do. <laughs> <laughs> Not you. I was, yeah, no, no. So when I, when I got back, I was lucky enough to be invited onto the chemo noir board. So I'm now a full like um, you oh, know, staple part of that here in Jacksonville, which is awesome, which I obviously accepted. It was one of the goals when I left to get mm. more involved in Jacksonville. And that's one way I'm going to be able to continue to do so. So um, chemo noir um, does a lot of wine centric events. So if that doesn't convince you to come out, yeah. you know, I don't know what will. But um, we have a really cool run every year on the beach. It's called the chemo noir one mile. And it's basically just this really awesome, uh, not party, but just like a hangout with a ton of vendors. You know, Southern Swells usually drops off a keg. There's always really good food from around. Uh, Seasons 52 does desserts. Um, and it's just a great time hanging out. You run one mile on the beach, and then everybody gets to kind of commemorate. Uh, there is a gala coming up uh, in a couple months. But if you go to kimonoir.com or follow me on Instagram, I'll be able to repost and reshare everything that we're doing to try and grow the uh, awareness as a uh, as a nonprofit here in Jacksonville. So we're definitely trying to grow in size, especially with the national attention that we got from time to time on this ride. And uh, the sky's the limit, and hopefully we can help a lot more people than we are right now. Yeah, dang. Greg, thank you so much for all you're doing, and thank you for being a great neighbor specifically to Jacksonville. Like, what a cool privilege we get to say, hey, our neighbor biked over 11,000 miles. So, Greg, thank you so much for everything. Absolutely. I'm going to, you know, hopefully once everything gets settled down, I'm going to put a lot of work into um, finding a way. I have a vision right now, but can't get too far into it. Um, You know, I want to continue to work directly within Jacksonville um, and change the way that businesses operate in Jacksonville to give directly back financially to the the community that we're in. So we're going to try and do that in the next five or 10 years and uh, switch it up and make Jacksonville a cool destination city and a place to be.
thank you for listening to our North Florida neighborhood. Listen again next week. And if you have an event or organization you'd like highlighted, please contact Colby King at Colby, C-O-L-B-I, at jacksonville.radio.